Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello, fellow podcasters. What if I were to tell you today that things might be looking better, but at the same time, they might not be in the market? Well, what do I mean by that? Pretty simple. Today, we're going to be able to talk a little bit more about ABOT and what's happening with the baby formula shortage and how their, their nutrition restarts the baby formula production in their Michigan plant. We'll go into details about that a little bit. Then we're going to be talking about China and trade deals and potentially how there is a chance that they might release some trade deficits that are hap- that have happened under President Trump's presidency or the trade tariffs as they used to be known as. And then finally, we have to end today by talking a lot about oil. I know we've been talking about oil a lot on this channel, but there is a lot of articles talking about it currently. And I find it interesting that these are happening currently right now. It ties in with what's happening with Joe Biden and visiting Saudi Arabia, how there's two delegates heading to the U- to the White House within the United States, how crude oil has jumped a little bit, and finally, how it's all tied in with the rig count that has been reported from this weekend. With that being said, guys, as I always say before I begin my podcast, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. This is for also for entertainment and for those who are wishing to seek out the news events that are currently happening that are not being talked about on Wall Street. Please go talk to your own professional advisor before making any financial decisions as they understand your financial uh, position a lot better than I would currently. With that being said, guys, let's begin with today's podcast. ABOT Nutrition restarts baby formula production in reopened Michigan plant. From CNBC, ABOT Nutrition on Saturday resumed baby formula production at its Sturgis, Michigan plant, a move towards addressing a nationwide shortage. The company has been given the green light from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration after meeting initial requirements as part of a May 16th uh, consent decree. The company said it will restart the production of El Care, a formula for children who struggle to digest other products, along with other uh, specialty and metabolic formulas. Abot aims to aims for an initial El Care product release after June, uh, sorry, around June 20th, and is working to meet guidelines to resume production of Simulac and other formulas. Quote, we understand the urgent need for formula and our top priority is getting high quality, safe formula into the hands of families across America. A spokesperson for ABOT said in a statement, we will ramp production as quickly as we can while meeting all requirements. While supply problems started earlier in the COVID-19 pandemic, issues worsened in part due to the February closure of the Michigan plant amid scrutiny over contamination. FDA investigations began after four infants were hospitalized with bacterial infections from drinking its powder formula. Two of its babies died. Quote, the FDA is continuing to work diligently to ensure the company's the company to ensure the safe resumption of production of infant formula at ABOT Nutrition, Sturgis, Michigan facility. The FDA, FDA said in a statement, the agency is expected that the measure and steps it's taking and the potential for ABOT Nutrition, Sturgis, Michigan facility to safely resume production in the near term. will mean more and more infant formula is either on the way or is already on store shelves moving forward, said the FDA. Now, 
I still think this is going to be an issue. And the only reason why I think it's going to be an issue is that, I mean, you have, you have potentially a, another shortage in the making for baby formula. There are, we've talked about this a lot in the past. There are three plants within the United States that make the baby formula. Okay. We've had to ship in baby formula in the United States in order to meet the demand that is needed currently right now. How long will the baby formula stay on the shelves? Who knows? It depends on how desperate, I guess, some people can be sometimes. I mean, I can almost guarantee you stores are going to put up signs that say you can only take two or something along those lines to prevent people from hoarding more baby formula. But at the end of the day, I often wonder how this is going to really affect things going forward. And I also wonder too, if the bill that was passed to get the shipments from Europe over, if that bill is going to come to an end, or we're going to constantly be shipping in baby formula from overseas on planes. I mean, it's the, the government likes to waste money on that. How's it going to affect the market going forward? Who knows? But it's good to see that there's a little bit of green light though, potentially that the Michigan plant is opened up. And hopefully this will also incentivize other people out there to create better baby formula so we don't face these shortages going forward. It's hard to tell, but hopefully this happens. So with that being said, let's talk about China. Left out of the Indo-Pacific deal, China pushes towards the world's largest trade deal. I wonder how the market's going to handle this news. And it doesn't seem much about right now, but it is curious to look at it. Look at it. Amid the fanfare of U.S. President Joe Biden's new Indo-Pacific strategy, China flew under the radar and hosted a high-level discussion on RCEP, the world's largest trade pact. It came after the it, it came days after the Biden administration launched the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, or the IPEF, a partnership that involves 13 countries, excluding China, as it seeks to expand its political and economic leadership in the Indo-Pacific region. The Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, the RCEP, meeting in, su in Southern Island of, uh, I believe it's Hainan, under underscored analysis expectations. And instead of reacting to or countering the IPEF, China will likely forge ahead with agreed upon trade packs and capitalize on the ready-to-go tariffs and market accesses. Quote, China will not take immediate or very targeted measures to respond to the IPEF, said Li, a trade scholar for at, at S. Uh, Ray Jartan School of International Studies at Singapore uh, Technology University. At the second REC, RCEP media and think tank forum held in uh, Hana, capital of Hayaku, the weekend after IPEF was announced, the non-government trade experts across the region gathered to discuss more ways to expand trade within the bloc. RCEP includes China and 10 members of ASEAN bloc together with Australia, Japan, South Korea, and New Zealand, led by the Hainan government. The meeting also marked another provocal effort to meet Beijing's wider strategy of implementing the RCEP since its launch at the start of this year. Quote, consistent with the support of the multilateralism. And globalization, China is likely to continue promoting the adopt of RCEP as the grants member states huge market access, which IPEF lacks, Lee told CNBC. Okay. I wonder why this isn't going to be talked about a little bit more. I mean, China is now with these countries. Joe Biden didn't allow China to be within this trade agreement. But at the same time, I just want to know 
what what's going to happen? What's China's plan? Okay. It says here, China's grand plan for RCEP. Meanwhile, China has already gained headwinds by, with implementing the RCEP since it launched in January, according to Li. It's laid out a blueprint for Chinese business on how to expand trade and find opportunities through RCEP. Beijing laid out guidelines in six areas, including trade and manufacturing, and promote the use of Chinese uh, yun for trading settlement or trading transactions. Authorities have also asked businesses to pursue the use of its heavily publicized free trade port in uh, Hainan and has implementing an independent custom system. Li, who has been watching China's RCEP implementations, pointed out that at least 10 provinces, including uh, Fuji and, no, not Fuji, Fujian and Xinjiang, uh, I think, has laid out extensive plans to use the RCEP. Yun, for example, wants to increase exports to agriculture products. Well, I can't even pronounce this one is looking to upgrade jointly operating industrial parts in Malaysia. I I wonder, because that talks about later on, it talks about using facilities in Vietnam, Malaysia, and Indonesia. And it goes into more depth and details. It says like, after signing more trade deals to potentially counter the IPEF, China will not likely ink another uh, bilateral or trilateral pacts in the region, such as concluding the outstanding China-Japan-Korea free trade pact, Lee said, citing China's preference for gradualisms or slow reform approaching to trade deals. Okay. I wonder how this trade deal is going to affect the United States going forward. Okay. And I wonder why the news media isn't talking about it as much. I mean, if this is a really big deal that China just pushed to one of the largest trade deals, why is it not being talked about? Not only that, but this comes on the same weekend when this was being potentially announced from the United States. Okay. And it makes you wonder what the United States plan is with China currently right now. The article reads as followed. U.S. malls lifting some China tariffs to fight inflation. U.S. Commerce Secretary Jin, uh, Gina said that on Sunday that President Joe Biden has asked his team to look at the options of lifting some tariffs on China and that were put into place by former President Donald Trump to combat the current high inflation. Quote, we are looking at it. In fact, the president has asked us uh, on his team to analyze that. And so we are in the process doing that for him and he will have to make that decision. Gina told CNN in an interview on Sunday when asked whether the Biden administration was weighing lifting tariffs on China to ease inflation. Quote, there are other products, household goods, bicycles, etc., And it may make sense to weigh lifting tariffs on those, she said, adding the administration has decided to keep some of the tariffs on steel and aluminum to protect U.S. workers and the steel industry. Biden has said that he is considering removing some of the tariffs imposed on hundreds of billions of dollars worth of Chinese goods by his predecessor in 2018 and 2019 amid a better trade war between the two world's largest economies. China has been arguing that tariff reductions would cost would cut costs for American consumers. Uh, Gina told CNN she felt the ongoing semiconductor chip shortage could likely continue until 2024. Okay. I'll, yes, I do agree that a lot of the chips do come from China, but we talked about this in the past. They mostly come from Taiwan. Okay. So why would we want to lift tariffs? It doesn't make any sense. I, d I don't fully get it. The article go goes on to continue. There is one solution to the semiconductor chip shortage, she added, Congress needs to act and pass the CHIPS bill. I don't know why they are delaying. The legislation aims to ramp up the U.S. semiconductor manufacturing to give the United States more of a competitive punch against China. 
Gina said she disagreed with the characterization that Biden's 1.9 trillion American rescue plan has contributed to the current high inflation. Congress passed the COVID-19 relief package a year ago before signing the law, marking a significant achievement of Biden's first year in office. Yeah, first year in office with high inflation and gas prices. Look, Congress is not going to pass that bill because they're slow as crap. Okay, so hopefully the Biden administration doesn't remove these tariffs on China until Congress gets their act together. But I'm also curious to know how the market's going to react if news breaks that Biden is lifting tariffs from China. Okay, I think it was when Donald Trump originally the market freaked out and the market did tank a little bit before recovering. But I also wonder, will it stay that he's that he's trying to protect the steel and aluminum industries for the United States workers? Hard to tell. Politicians can sometimes be pretty good at saying one thing and doing the complete opposite. But I'm also just like I said, I'm curious to know if this bill does pass within the United States about the what's it called? The the chips bill, how the market's going to react to it. How's China going to react to it? Would we then lift tariffs still if we don't do that? Or are we waiting for the chips bill to pass so that then we can lift the tariffs? Don't know. It's hard to tell. But I can tell you this. China's not going to be waiting around forever. So Congress better get its act together. But how how the market reacts is going to be an interesting one. Now, I saved this one for last because there are four articles we have to be able to talk about. And they all have to do with potentially Saudi Arabia, OPEC, and oil in general. First off, White House postpones Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia and Israel. Okay, no big deal because we will talk about a little bit before we get into the main meat of these articles. President Joe Biden planned to visit Saudi Arabia and Israel later this month has been postponed until July. Several officials told NBC News on Friday. The White House is now planning a broader trip to the Middle East next month, sources said. Quote, we are working on a trip to Israel in Saudi Arabia for a GCC plus three summit, a senior administration told NBC News. We are working to confirm dates when we have something to announce we will. A foreign diplomat and two U.S. officials said that the Saudi stop will no longer take place in late June, and two U.S. officials said the trip to Israel was also being pushed back. Both visits have been expected to be uh, tacked on by Biden's previous scheduled trip to Germany and Spain this month. The reason for the delay wasn't immediately clear. The foreign diplomat and two officials said they learned of the postponed travel plans on Friday. The U.S. officials added that the dates remained in flux and could change again. The White House declined to comment on the travel itinerary, and Israeli and Saudi embassies in Washington didn't immediately respond to inquiries late Friday. Biden's plan to visit Saudi Arabia came under swift scrutiny, given the country's human rights record and President's own past comments about the oil-rich country on his campaign trail. Biden promised to treat as a uh, a pariah following the killing of journalist Jamal uh, Khashoggi, I think that's how you say it, and the Saudi consultant in Istanbul. The CIA concluded in 2018 that the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi Arabia's de facto ruler, had ordered Khashoggi's killing. The Crown Prince has denied any personal involvement in his death. Okay. And then last thing we'll talk about is Yet Saudi Arabia, a close U.S. economic and military ally, has traditionally been one of the first foreign stops a president makes in the Middle East. The Biden administration has found it difficult to avoid cooperating with Saudi Arabia, given its major role in many of the top foreign policy issues confronting the Biden administration, including Israel, Palestine tensions, and the Iran nuclear deal. 
Biden has also been looking for ways to help drive down the price of oil and gas as his administration faces ongoing pressure to do more to lower the price of fuel heading into the midterm elections. Okay. So he's canceling his trip to Saudi Arabia. Okay. So be it. If he wants to wait till July, that's up to him. Okay. But if, if it's really him delaying it, I mean, then why is this being reported too from Rudders? Okay. From this, I believe it's Saudi Arabia's capital, Riyadh, two Saudi delegations to visit U.S. as ties improves. Hmm. Let's read. Two Saudi government delegations plan to visit the United States this month, officially said on Saturday. This is one day after they canceled it on Friday. As Rihad and Washington step up efforts to fix strained ties and lay the groundwork for eventually visits by U.S. President Joe Biden. The first delegation is expected to visit Washington on June 15th and will lead to Saudi administration Minister of Commerce Mohammed bin Abdullah al-Kasabi. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. The second led by investment minister, and I'm not going to bother trying to say that one, is planned to end the month, two officials said. The officials declined to be named as the plan has not been made public. Now, the me- the reason they're having this meeting is they will discuss agreements and deals in several factors, including transportation, logistics, and renewable energy, they said. The Saudi government did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Biden publicly acknowledged on Friday that he may travel to Saudi Arabia soon. That's not true. Well, we do know that. He says he's he's now claiming he's going in July. A trip that multiple sources says is expected that could include talks with Saudi Crown Prince, Prince Mohammed bin Salman. The visit would help mend relations with Saudi Arabia. We already talked about that a little bit. It says here, Biden's announcement follows a decision on Thursday from the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries and Allies, known as OPEC Plus, to boost oil output and agreement between Saudi-backed government and the Iran-aligned um, Houthis to extend a truce in Yemen, Biden and the White House praised Saudi Arabia for both decisions. The U.S. stance is also changing as it worries about Gulf states deepening ties with China and Russia. Russia's already in, I believe, OPEC+. Plus. That should not be a concern. I mean, you can if you're concerned about China, so be it. Be, be concerned about China. But at the end of the day, I believe Russia's part of OPEC+. Plus. We've read about this in past articles. It says, regardless if Biden visits takes place or not, both sides are working to restore ties at the institutional level and in different sectors. Okay, there's probably going to be other things talked about. They probably will talk about oil and gas. But at the end of the day, it's it's not going to affect much. Oil and gas is still through the roof. I mean, it, it, looked like it, went, it looks like it went down this weekend a little bit, at least from what I saw when tra- traveling around Southern California. But it says here from Sunday's article that oil settles shy of $120 a barrel on OPEC plus deal, Saudi pricing. And we talked about this OPEC plus deal a little bit last week in our podcast. Oil prices settled slightly lower after choppy trade on Monday. And now granted, Monday was earlier when this article was released. I found this article on Sunday in the United States time. Buoyed by Saudi Arabia raising its July crude prices, but amid doubts that higher output target for OPEC plus oil producers would ease tight supply. Brent crude fell 21 cents or 0.2% to settle at $119.51 a barrel after touching an intertrade height of $121.95. U.S. Tex Intermediate or WTI crude features fell 37 cents or 0.3% to settle $118 a barrel after hitting a three-month high of $120.99. The benchmark fell to $1 earlier in the session. Saudi Arabia raised the July official selling price of OSP 
for its flagship Arab light crude to Asia by $2.10 from June at $6.50 premium over uh, Oman Dubai quotes, just off the all-time peak record in May when prices hit highs due to worries of disruptions in supplies from Russia. The price increase followed a decision last week by the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries and Allies together called OPEC Plus to boost output for July and August by 640,000 barrels per day, or 50% more than previously planned through the constraint in global refinery capacities that kept oil prices elevated. Quote, crude prices input into the U.S. refineries have been reduced by about 6% from four years ago. At the time, with the reduction associating with a need of less crude over... Uh, correction, less crude cover while contributing to a severe tightness in the gasoline and diesel markets, said Jim Rittenbush, president of Rittenbush and Associates in Ganella, Illinois. The increased target was spread across OPEC Plus members, many of which have little room to increase output and include Russia, which faces Western sanctions after invasions of Ukraine in February. With only a handful of OPEC Plus participants and spare capacity, we need to increase in OPEC Plus output put to be more than 160,000 barrel 160 yeah 160,000 barrels per day in July and 170,000 barrels per day in August JP Morgan analysis said in the note okay if we're really concerned about oil within the middle east coming out of OPEC plus we should not be relying on them we should be drilling our own oil within the united states i i've said this a lot and i will continue to see that to continue, continue to say this until either A, people fully understand, or B, hopefully things change. But it's not looking that way, okay? Because it's being reported from last Friday, U.S. oil rig count unchanged this week, Baker Hughes says. The number of oil rigs operating within the United States was unchanged this week, according to data compiled by energy services firm Baker Hughes. The count was stable at 574 in the seven days through Friday, Baker Hughes said a year earlier, the U.S. had 359 rigs in operation. Okay. Oil and gas rigs in the U.S. remained 727. Gas was a firm 151. The miscellaneous rigs remained at two, the company data showed. In the same period of 2021, there were 97 gas rigs and no miscellaneous rigs in operation. Overall, there were 456 rigs operating a year ago. Across North America, oil and gas equipment rose by 14 to 844, up to up from 300, 533 at the same point last year. In Canada, the count was up to 14 rigs to 117 compared to 77, operating during the same period last year. Canada's oil rigs rose by 17 to 72, while gas fell by three rigs to 45. Among U.S. states, top producer Texas lost one rig, as did California, and North Dakota gained. North Dakota, Wyoming, oh, and North Dakota lost one rig, and Wyoming gained two rigs. Okay, so I mean. Oil rig count remains unchanged. We have a lot of oil rigs, and yet gas prices are through the roof. What's really going on out there? It's hard to tell. Is it because we want Saudi Arabia to have more oil? Can they blame the Russian war, really? I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. It really is. I mean, we just read in this oil rig thing that there the count was stable at 574 in seven days through Friday. From, that's reported from Baker Hughes. And then a year earlier, the U.S. had 359 oil rigs in operation. 359, 574. You're looking at almost at least 200 plus in operation since last year. I mean, didn't Joe Biden say he was going to stop 
oil production within the United States, and yet we're reading there's more oil rigs in operation. So then why is oil priced through the roof right now? I don't know. And, and this is something to think about, people. It just doesn't make any sense currently right now. What's really going on? Is it the inflation that's eating at everything right now? Possibly. Is it that because oil's more in demand right now that is causing prices to skyrocket? Potentially. I mean, we have the oil rigs, it looks like. So wh- why are gas prices so high? How's the market going to react to this? I think the market already has reacted today, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers fully right now because I had some stuff to do today, but it's hard to tell. And obviously Joe Biden is going to be meeting with these delegates from Saudi Arabia. They're going to potentially talk about oil. And I heard a news report on Sunday that even with more oil output from OPEC, gas prices aren't going to be going down anytime soon. So yeah, start preparing guys. Maybe gas prices will keep rising. Maybe they will fall. Who knows? But it seems like there's a huge demand for oil and we have all, we have the rig count. So what I'm curious to know now pretty much is what's coming out of these oil rigs. How much is coming out per day? Who knows? But I'm not saying Joe Biden's the answer right now, but it just seems like things aren't looking too good fully if you have all these rigs and yet oil prices are still through the roof. I wish a reporter would actually do some research into this to figure out what was really going on. Then we could really go into in-depth details, but it's hard to tell because no one wants to report about this right now. They want to talk about green energy. They want to talk about what's happening with, I mean, anything else but what's happening with gas prices. So that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you did enjoy it as much as I did doing the research leading into this. If you think friends and family would enjoy this podcast, I ask that you please like and share this video and share with friends and family as every like and share that we get helps us be able to grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about what's happening in the market that Wall Street's not willing to talk about currently. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.